Hash, one thing I'm going to do, I want to say something that's a bit awkward. Yep. And if it comes out awkward, make it sound smart for me, if you get what I mean. <laughs> if it doesn't say Ramon, that was stupid, just we'll move on. But I guess I'm a firm believer in tribe building, yep. building up communities. And I think it just hit me, the 80-20 rule, this is why I tell people, Ash, build up your tribe. Build up your funnel, kind of hitting on principles of marketing automation. You know, have a hundred people who are not your customers, just know, liking, and trust you because of the sizzle you bring. James Tramko here from superfastbusiness.com and you're listening to my friend Ash Roy on productiveinsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to www.productiveinsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Ash Roy, the founder of ProductiveInsights.com. And today I have an awesome guest who brought a lot of enthusiasm and knowledge to the stage when I saw him speak at an event in Sydney a few months ago. We are going to be talking about disruptive technologies, mindsets to take advantage of these disruptive technologies, and a whole lot of stuff around automation. Now, I do want to apologize for a little bit of background noise that you might hear through the episode. You might hear this ringing of a bell in the background and unfortunately we couldn't edit that out but I hope that the quality of the content more than makes up for the sound issues. I want to thank you in advance for being so understanding and putting up with the occasional background noise. I do hope that you find the content of the episode valuable enough to make listening to it well worth your time investment. This episode is brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high-value customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. Our guest today is the publisher of Smart Hustle magazine and a small business evangelist. He frequently blogs about tech at Small Biz Technology. He's an entrepreneur. He started four companies and sold one. He's a best-selling author, a journalist, an event producer, a speaker, and an event host. His third book on Amazon.com was a bestseller, and it was called Facebook Guide to Small Business Marketing. He shared the stage with Seth Godin, Damon John, Guy Kawasaki, Simon Sinek, JJ Ramberg, Peter Shankman, and other awesome entrepreneurs. He's interviewed President Obama in the president's first live Google Hangout. How awesome is that? He's also been a mentor to several organizations, including the Future Project, Project Enterprise, Europe, and Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. I recently met him at an Infusionsoft conference here in Sydney. I'm delighted to welcome Ramon Ray of RamonRay.com. Welcome, Ramon. Thank you very much, Ash. It's so good to speak to you, and I'm excited to be here and uh, help me give awesome insight, I would say, to your listeners. So thank you very much, Ash. I appreciate it. No problem at all. Hey, look, I just want to say that you brought so much passion and knowledge to that conference that I couldn't help but have you on the show because I just felt that if I enjoyed your presentation so much, then I'm sure the audience would get a lot out of it as well. So thank you very much for being on the show. It's an honor to have you. So Ramon, let's start by talking about technology and automated marketing and how you feel it helps small businesses grow their businesses on automatic. Yeah, I mean, of course, at the top level, I mean, technology overall is an enabler. Technology is that thing that really helps small business owners get ahead, get to the next level, save time, save money, and really boost their competitive edge. So I think technology overall is a must 
for small businesses. I think the aspect of market marketing automation, anytime you can automate a business process, man, Ash, you are ahead of the game and able to move faster, much smarter, I would say, for your business. So automation and, and marketing automation and technology go hand in hand, kind of like, uh, what's it called, Tim Tim? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that I, that I, Tim Tam or peanut butter and jelly. You've done your homework. You, you know all about the Aussie goodies, the things that we like here in Australia, Tim Tams. I emptied the country when I came. I emptied the whole, every store I could find. <laughs> cool, man. Okay, now I've got a question for you, Ramon. Which is your weapon of choice, Infusionsoft or Active Campaign? I think I know what you're going to say to this, but I'm curious to hear your take on why. Yeah, I mean, I like Infusionsoft, of course. I work with Infusionsoft, Ash, so I would probably say no other answer. But I think that Infusionsoft is powerful. But I must say, to step back a bit, Infusionsoft would say it, and I think any smart company, it really depends on what works best for the end user. I don't know if, there, if you had to be honest what's really a best. I think it really depends on what your goals or what you want to accomplish. But of course, Infusionsoft, I like it. The technology is powerful, but I just like the DNA of the company. From Clayton Mask on down, as you probably know better than me, this company is legit, highly focused on the success of small business owners. So that's really what gets me excited about Infusionsoft. The technology comes secondary, but the DNA of the company, right. that comes first. So the culture, you really like the culture of the company. Uh, Absolutely. Tell me, Ramon, one of the challenges I've seen a lot of people face with Infusionsoft is the complexity, the, you know, the initial onboarding. Some people need to hire consultants to get it you know, up and running in their business. I've heard it called Confusionsoft. You know, a lot of barriers to entry when it comes to adopting that technology. Can you talk a little bit about that? And how does a listener who wants to adopt Infusionsoft, how do they incorporate that into their business without too much heartache? Do you recommend getting a consultant or can they do it themselves? Yeah, it's a very valid question. Our pedigree, when we first started at Ash, there was yeah. nothing like it on the market. They did marketing automation as Infusionsoft did. Mm-hmm. With that became a some level of complexity. Maybe like the first Tesla, maybe like the first time the car came out. Yeah. It was a little more complicated than riding your horse. However, I must say today, thanks in large part to Terry Hicks, our chief product officer and others, Ash, it is much simpler to you. So yes, we've earned the right to be called Confusionsoft in the past. <laughs> Notwithstanding, it still worked and was the best darn thing out there. Yeah. But I'm proud to say that today in the recent days and months, as I'm sure our partners and customers would say, it's gotten much easier and easier to use for sure. Okay. So would you say, do you have more drag and drop functionality? How have you guys made the interface a lot easier? Yeah, a few things. I mean, I think the drag and drop is one thing, and that's definitely a big help. But I think the real big thing is that we're entering, and I'm not a programmer, but into the world of Facebook and Uber and, and yeah. QuickBooks and into it. You know, other companies look at the usability. So I think our usability team has gotten better and better, and they were good before. But I think we've really focused on what is the customer experience when they first open the box. How can right. we get them up and running when they first open? open the box, as it were. So that's really what our team has been focusing on, Ash. And I think that's what's made the difference. So we've earned it. And the software was like a power horse, but, you know, kind of like the computer, maybe in the dinosaur era. It worked, but you needed a team of people. But now we're making it so that everybody can use it right from day one when they start and open their browser with their username. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about tech and the world of entrepreneurship. We're talking about Infusionsoft and we're talking a bit about interface and so on. Let's talk a little bit about the 
other really interesting topic that I think you love talking about, and that is disruptive technologies. How do you see tech changing over the coming years? How do you see it disrupting businesses? Now, obviously, disruptive technology by definition is something you can't predict, but I'm just interested to hear your take on it. I mean, no one expected what Uber was going to do to the taxi industry until it kind of happened. And there's all sorts of disruptive technologies coming around the corner in the fields of medicine and you name it. So I'm just curious to hear your take on it. Where do you see the future? Put on your futurist hat and give us your best on where you see the, <laughs> where you see the future going. I'll do better than giving my best. I will give you the only prediction that matters because I know all things. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but really, I think that where it's going, if I had to predict, yeah. uh, especially in the realm of small businesses and businesses, yeah. I don't think it's about mobile. I don't think it's about augmented reality and these other cool things. I oh. think it's about a business owner in Indiana being able to connect with a business owner in Syria, in, in Southern Africa, in Spain to get the knowledge they need or the products and services. I think that is the biggest thing we're going to see faster and faster. Uber, Ash, as you know, is just an app. Now, it's a billion-dollar company and huge valuation. They've invested mm-hmm. a lot in it, so it takes a lot of programming power. But they mm-hmm. don't own inventory. They don't own cars. For all we know, it could be two gerbils in the bottom of a basement in the Sahara <laughs> Desert somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> so that's what I think for small business, Ash, that's where it's going. It's, you know... Ramon has his cool podcast or his cool company. He's making rice. He has a, the next Uber. But I don't know the guy in Canada in an Eskimo tent. And people who are politically correct would just have to delete this portion. The Eskimo <laughs> tent, who's going to compete with me if you get what I'm saying? So I think the technology is important, Ash, for sure. We're going to have cool stuff. Yeah. But I think what's coming faster and faster, look at Amazon competing with FedEx. Now, that's a big company example. Mm. All they did was probably, for lack of a better example, click a few buttons. Now they have a thousand drivers. Now they have a thousand vans. Now they have a courier company. And I think every small business can do that. But that's disruptive technology, though, isn't it, Ramon? I mean, that's absolutely. Yeah. So you're talking about disruptive technology changing the way in which business is, is conducted and therefore changing business models completely. So with Amazon, for example, you're saying that since they developed their drones and whatever else they're going to use to deliver products, they have now suddenly redefined themselves and become a courier company in addition to everything else they're doing. Correct. And I think that what this is shares with businesses, large and small, is that as Andy Grove said many years ago of CEO or founder of Intel, I think CEO, is that you have to be paranoid. This yeah. means that I think the biggest asset or the biggest thing that we have in business is our customers, Ash. Yeah. Because disruption can happen from any place, anywhere so fast. The biggest thing you can do is be so close to your customers. Build a strong brand with them because being able to say please and thank you, having your own customer database, it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be a big insulator Hmm. against any disruptive technology at the end of the day. Nike, they can have all the Fitbits and Under Armors and all this in the world and they have to be watchful, but Nike has such a strong ingrained brand. So that doesn't mean they have to, they can't be paranoid, but I think that's what they have going for them. And in technology, it's hard to penetrate a very strong brand. So you're saying grow from the inside out as far as customers go, grow organically rather than trying to acquire yes. new customers, build deep and long-term relationships and have your customers evangelize for you. Absolutely. And, and again, as you're getting new customers, Ash, as well, I would say build in processes that endear them to you. So they, they think and they know that you appreciate them. So yeah. build that in at the same time you're doing it. So I think that's the really be innovative, be disruptive, but also 
focus on the customers you have because then they'll quote unquote never leave you. You know, I've said this in a zillion episodes before, but I'd say it again because it's so important. It costs between five and nine times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to retain an existing one. And I've seen business after business go salivating after customers they don't have instead of treating their existing customers like royalty so that their existing customers come back and do repeat business with them. Absolutely. Now this is the zillionth one time you've said it, and I think you should say it on every show. You're exactly <laughs> right. I mean, we forget to focus on, Ash already bought from me. Yeah. Why am I not trying to, even in a good way, upsell him, sell him more, ask yeah. him to tell his mother, father, uncle, brother, sister, neighbor. Yeah. I don't need to do much more. He can market for me if I've yeah. treated him well. Solve all his problems and find out what other problems you can solve that are related to the problem you just solved, and you have another product. Absolutely. And I think people forget about this. And again, I'm talking on the call here. I'm a marketer, but I forget this in my own business. Hmm. But I have to be very purposeful to know, you know what? I have large brands I've worked with that I've made very happy. Why am I trying to go get brand X when I already have brand Y? And that doesn't mean, of course, Ash, I'm not trying to get more and more. Yeah. But the point is, I need to go back and say, hey, you bought this for me. Can I sell you this too? Because as, as maybe our mutual friend John Jant says of Duct Tape Marketing, know, like, and trust. Yes. That's what it's all about. You know, I just connected with John on Facebook, and I'm looking forward to having him on the show. I haven't reached out to him yet to ask him to be on the show, but I'd love to have him because I love his stuff. Awesome. Absolutely. The interview may not be as good as this one, Ash. I can't help that. <laughs> but, you know, what can I say? What can I say? <laughs> okay. Hey, Ramon, there's one thing I wanted to share further to your point about the Amazon thing, which is really, really relevant here. When I did my MBA, I remember studying this case study about Southwest Airlines. And this is something I encourage everyone listening to this episode. And I think you'd find it interesting as well, Ramon. Southwest Airlines was having quite a bit of trouble with their business. They were losing profitability. And they did a very simple thought experiment, as if you like, maybe for want of a better term, a simple thought experiment. And they asked themselves, what business are we in? And they discovered that they weren't in the airline business. They were actually in the transportation business. And then they completely redefined their approach, purely customer-centric, but their approach to transporting customers from point A to point B they made it a lot more user-friendly and they discovered that their competitors weren't other airlines only. They were also people like Avis and Hertz and they turned the business around completely. There were a whole lot of other things they did. They did this balanced scorecard and stuff, which we'll save for another conversation. But Southwest Airlines, by reapproaching what business they were in and asking themselves that paradigm kind of question they made a paradigm shift and realized they were not in the airline industry they were in the transportation industry and that completely changed things and the parallel i'm trying to draw here is to amazon where amazon may say well are we in the online products industry or can we also be in the courier and delivery industry so mm -hmm. that's a very interesting way to even approach a business. And with this disruptive technology and all these changes that are happening, you can increasingly ask that question and get a different answer today compared to even five years ago. No, absolutely, 100%. And I think smart companies, Ash, have to do that. What business are we in? And I would say Amazon, again, we can say so many things are in, but they're also in the trust industry. You know, yeah, I that's love why that. people just, yeah, people just click and buy, right? Yeah. That $5 mop or $500 pair of shoes, you know, if it doesn't work, They'll take it back. Yep. End of story. And for my 
own it. Way I must say, somebody just asked me. I was with a very famous speaker who, who we all know, global speaker, written tons of books, and he said, "Ramon, what are you really selling about my speaking career?" And I realized, Ash, I'm not a professional speaker. I happen to be a member of the National Speakers Association, as you know. I happen to be an author. All these things that you and I are in similar circles here. But my secret sauce probably different than yours, different than somebody else's, mm. is if you want to light the stage up and be entertained, you call me. So I'm learning to reposition myself. Oh, you just want a great speaker? You can get anybody. All of us are here. Oh, you want somebody who's going to light the stage up? Call me, if you get what I mean. So I'm even trying to redefine how I say what I do, and it's helped my business. Sure, sure. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what, it worked for me because you really did light the stage up when I saw you speak and I thought, I've got to get this guy on my show. So I completely agree. Your core competency might happen to deliver your expertise through speaking, but you might be doing it through awesomeness, enthusiasm and knowledge, which might be different from somebody else who might just be very knowledgeable. And there's nothing wrong with that. They just might not be as enthusiastic, but they're still bringing something to the table, but it's just different, even though they're both doing it through the medium of public speaking. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Ash, that sets you free because when you're able to come across that way, you know, everybody's not going to buy from you. Everybody's not going to buy from me. But I think when we're able to say, what are we really doing? People can then choose. And you're right. Because for example, I guarantee Ash, I may not send you the invoice on time. I guarantee my PowerPoint may have a few typos. You can be guaranteed of that. You know, all these little things that, that somebody else may do better than me, but I can guarantee what I can do is light up the stage, if you get what I mean. So I yeah. think you're right. I, I'm not the guy who does a three-hour workshop. That's not my jam. Maybe Ash is better at that, hmm. if you get what I mean. Hmm. But my jam is 45 minutes, not too deep. But people will learn. So anyways, enough about me. But I think you're right. The point is being about we all have to define what we're really selling. And I think once smart companies do that, you can sell pretty much, quote unquote, anything. Yeah. And I think that also it's good for companies and individuals to think in terms of the 80-20 rule, which I'm a big fan of. And that essentially, I've yeah. done a whole episode on this, but essentially it's 20% of your effort that leads to 80% of results. But I think it actually relates to specialization and natural skills as well. I believe that we all have natural gifts where 20% of our personal energy and effort leads to 80% of our results. Someone who's naturally given to public speaking doesn't have to try as hard if they play to their strengths, which is public speaking, to get 80% of an outcome as compared to, say, that same person may struggle with, say, I don't know, doing accounting because it's so damn boring. I'm, I speak as an accountant myself, but I hated accounting. I did <laughs> accounting. You know, accounting was that 80% of my effort that led to 20% of my results. I dragged myself yeah. through an accounting degree, through a CPA, and found that I detested it, and I was much happier in strategy and insights. And with my MBA, I just aced it. I got a you know, distinction average with very little effort because I'm naturally drawn to big picture strategy stuff. So true. And I think, Ash, one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to, I want to say something that's a bit awkward. Yep. And if it comes out awkward, make it sound smart for me, if you get what I mean. <laughs> if it doesn't say, Ramon, that was stupid, just we'll move on. But I guess I'm a firm believer in tribe building, yep. building up communities. And I think it just hit me, the 80-20 rule, this is why I tell people, Ash, build up your tribe. Build up your funnel, kind of hitting on principles of marketing automation. You know, have a hundred people who are not your customers, just know, liking, and trust you because of the sizzle you bring, what Ash brings, what I bring. 20%, 10%, 5%, whatever the number is, all they need to do is buy from you for you to live well. So focus on building up just people liking you and, and following you and clicking and being in your aura, mm -hmm. and enough people will convert 
that you can make a good living. I don't know if that connects or makes sense what I'm trying to well, bring it out. Totally does. It totally does. Okay, I mean, that's good. what Seth Godin talks about as well in terms of tribe building. And you touched on another aspect he talked about earlier, which was a connection economy. So I totally agree. I think it's about building the know, like, and trust model. In fact, I recently interviewed Bob Berg, and he was talking about something very similar in the context of the go-giver principle. He was saying the same thing. He was saying give value first, build that following change people's lives with your products and your content, and then the growth will come organically. And as you said, you don't have to sell to 100% of your audience, even if you sell to 20% of your audience, if you have good quality products, and you can go for the premium end of the market, I recommend that people do. Because if your quality and your content is premium, then absolutely you can charge premium prices, a certain proportion of that audience will pay premium prices. And as you said, you'll make a decent living out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think people forget that aspect. It's funny you mentioned Seth Godin. That's who I was speaking with today. I'm in the U.S. for those who don't know, New York oh, Public cool. Library. So he was speaking today. But you're so true. And I think people forget that principle, Ash, of being a giver. I mean, what is the podcast we're on today? Uh, there's no charge for it. Or maybe you're charging yeah. people like millions of dollars. I should get a cut, but maybe there's a charge. I don't know. But <laughs> anyhow, assuming there's no charge for it, we're, we're building brands, building tribes, building communities. Yeah. And I think social media enables us to be givers, givers and sharing and those who want us, they'll send the, spend the shekel to get what we're offering. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some challenges. What are the biggest challenges you have seen with business owners, with small businesses, embracing technology, embracing these disruptive changes that are coming around every day, embracing the idea of becoming a giver and developing this tribe and growing it? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Ash, and I think there's a few things. One, as my friend uh, Gene Marks uh, talks about, and if you don't know him, you should look him up as well and talk to him. But Okay, yeah, he talks about the aspect of saying that a lot of the technology we talk about, you and me and us gearheads and tech heads, it does take some expertise. So the point being, and we hinted about that with Infusionsoft, which now is is getting better and better, but the point being is that point one is that, you know, to do what Walmart does or APIs between platforms, it takes some expertise to connect and to make work. So that's point one. I think point two is the aspect that small businesses are nervous. They're like, I don't know which move to take because there's so much out there that I could be using. And I think that's point two. And I think point three, some small business owners think that it will take a lot of money. So I think the three things I'm seeing is it's, it, some of it is complex. Mm-hmm. Some of the people are scared. They don't know if they want to do it or not. And some of them think it's too expensive to make. But you have tools like Zapier, mm-hmm. tools like QuickBooks or Zero. You know these tools. Infusionsoft to some degree. They're very low cost. Mm. So to the small business owner that thinks they can't do something with technology, make a difference, they're wrong. You need to educate yourself. Mm, true. In fact, I had interviewed a guy called Jake Hauer in episode five. He's the founder of Fused App, which is very similar to Zapier. But for those who are listening, if you don't know what Zapier does or the Fused App does, these are basically apps that integrate different applications and allow you to produce results seamlessly across the application. So an example would be, if someone follows me on Twitter, then send them an email to do this sort of thing, which reminds me, there's another uh, similar app called If This Then That. And as you said, Ramon, yeah, it's powerful. And you know, they all work on these things like recipes and stuff like that. A lot of this stuff is just accessible, the recipes or the, the processes, these workflows you can get from their websites and so on and so forth. So it's definitely something to consider. You know, I should probably do an episode on Zapier at some point. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And I think another thing that just to talk about a very technical way I'm using it. So I've used Zapier or Zapier, depending how you pronounce it, and Eventbrite and Infusionsoft, linking them together. How am I doing that? So those who register for my events, yeah. most of the times you get the same email. Somebody registered, but you just send the email blast saying, hey, I hope you come, yeah. even though they already registered. Yeah. I said, let me see if I can stop doing that to be a little smarter, to yeah. be closer to my customers. I'm using these three tools to those who've already registered. They're not getting an email from me begging them to come. They're getting emails prepping them and exciting them to get ready to come because they've already registered. So it sounds simple, a little technical, but tools like this, automation like this, technology like this, as we've started talking out, uh, Ash, makes you smarter, makes your company a lot better. Cool. So let's talk about some actions. What actions do you recommend a listener take to get started with using technology in their business, maybe even using Zapier, which is probably a really quick and massive win, and just harnessing the whole idea of technology and implementing that in their business as seamlessly as possible? I think there's a few things. I think one, talking to the small business owner who's not doing anything and who's a bit afraid. Because if they're a tech and a nerd like you and I, it's slightly different. But assuming the one who doesn't believe in tech and having challenges – Change your mindset. Understand first that technology works and can help your business as Ash and I are talking about today. So change your mindset. Second of all, once you've changed your mindset, you know it can work for you, get someone to help you. Sit down with them. If you're you know, near Ash, near me, you know, bribe us. Take us to lunch or something like that. I'll take the chicken tikka masala, biryani, uh, no, no caramelized onions, and non. I'll sit with you for at least an hour. If you have glum, glum, jamun, I think it's called, I'll do another hour. Easy. So, but seriously, sit with somebody or hire somebody. Get advice. You know, yeah. kind of to give you an overview of whether it's social media, security, whatever. After that, audit your business. Okay, what are the baby steps you want to take to move forward? And then make a determined effort to make gradual progress. If I had to break it down to simple steps, but the first biggest step is a mindset shift, knowing that you have to change and have to get it done. You know, Ramon, I really like some of the things you're saying, and they're actually not what I expected you would say, which is actually part of why I like it. I like the fact that you approached technology from a mindset perspective. So you said, don't worry about technology, change your mindset, face the fear of technology, which I totally agree is the first step. Don't try and adopt technology when you're fearful of it. First question your fear or use mindfulness, which I'm a big believer of, in addressing your fear around technology. Change your mindset, change your approach, change your stance towards technology, and then start embracing technology incrementally. Also, I think outsourcing is such a great idea because if you outsource the technology side of things to someone who's been doing it for 10 years, you're definitely going to get a better result than you would if you did it yourself. And don't forget that your effective hourly rate, this is something I learned from James Schramko, which I think is a great point, your effective hourly rate, which is essentially your annual profit divided by the number of hours you put into your business, if your effective hourly rate is 100 bucks an hour and you're doing stuff that you could outsource for 10 bucks an hour, whether it's technology or not, then you're hurting your business at the rate of 90 bucks an hour. So... It's worth thinking and asking yourself, well, how much value can I bring to the business? What's my natural specialization? Coming back to what I was saying before, what's that 20% of my natural abilities that delivers 80% of my results? And if I'm naturally a gifted speaker or if I'm a gifted strategist, then I should be focusing my attention and time on strategy and outsourcing the technology, which may be about getting someone to set up your infusion soft rather than trying to work it all out at yourself and then finding yourself in a mess and then saying, us oh, stuff this, I'm not going to do this at all anymore, just, you know, and walking away from it. And then just exactly. having wasted all your time. 
And going back to outsourcing Infusionsoft is a great example. Yeah. I say outsource Infusionsoft all day, not because it's complicated, meaning that's on us to get better and better as we yeah. are doing. Yeah. But I say outsource because you want to focus on other things. So I use Infusionsoft to power my business. I use a consultant, not because I can't or learn it, but I'm better. There's no one else who can replace some of the things I'm doing. I can find someone to replace some of the things that I, that I am doing, if you get what I'm saying. So yeah. kind of restating what you said. So I think it's that's where outsourcing is so important. But I must say, the other side of outsourcing, Ash, don't outsource, in my opinion, mm-hmm. things that you have no clue about. For example, yes. I yes. know how to use Infusionsoft. I've touched it. Do I want to program and do API calls? Heck no. Yeah. But I get it. You know what I mean? I could if I wanted to learn it. Same thing at social media. I have a social media agency that helps me, but not because I don't know how to get on Canva and yeah. crop a photo. It's yeah. because somebody else can do it much cheaper than me. I hear you, man. I totally agree. I think that's such a good point. If you outsource stuff you don't understand, you have no control over it. You don't know whether you're getting ripped off blind. You don't know whether they're doing a good job. You don't know what can be done and can't be done. You don't know what to expect. And you just can't manage what you don't understand. So I totally agree. As a business owner, to some degree, you need to be a bit of a generalist. You need to know what can and can't be done. You need to understand what marketing automation means before you outsource marketing automation. And there's a lot of free content out there, including on this podcast, where you can listen to a lot of stuff around it. Having done that, though, and having understood what's feasible and not feasible, and maybe having had a go at it once or twice, then you outsource it. Like, I don't edit my podcast episodes, but in a pinch, I could totally edit it. I might not do as good job as my editor does, but it just doesn't make sense for me to edit my podcast episodes. I should be outsourcing the editing to somebody else who can do it for a cheaper fee. Let's talk about the books that have had the biggest impact on you and why. Yeah, I'm, I'm really a big Seth Godin fan. Yeah. I, I follow him online for years. So most all of his books I've read, his latest book, What to Do When, it, when It's Your Turn, has impacted me quite a bit because it's pushed me to go forward and beyond what I normally can do. Yeah. Grit by Angela Duckworth, amazing book about the power of passion and perseverance. Amazing book. So I think those are two books that have really meant a lot to me. I read the Bible every morning, but Mm -hmm. speaking in the business context, those are two books. And I, and I like reading biographies of companies, if that's the proper name to call a, you know, whatever it means, company biography Mm -hmm. or a personal biography, how Scott Cook created Intuit, how Michael Dell created Dell, how Mark Cuban sold computers out of the back of his car. I love books like that Mm. just because I learn. Again, as I said, Ash, this is a separate answer to your question, but I'm not a guy with – I mean I have a college degree, but I only got it at a force before I got fired from the UN. You know, I I don't have an MBA. My spelling is not so good, Ash. Numbers. I'm not good at numbers. Uh, So I digress, but the point – another thing I'm doing, I'm taking some classes to get better in my finances, by the way. It's a separate point, but kind of tied into what we talked about, Mm -hmm. like we said, to better myself. But Mm -hmm. those are some books that that really – I said a lot there, but sorry for talking so long. But those are some books that I like. No, no, that's cool. Coming back to Seth Godin's book. What did you like about What to Do When It's Your Turn? That's one of the books I haven't read yet. Yeah, what I liked is that, again, Seth Godin talks about a lot of the same principles, of course, his marketing and permission and things. But I like because he's always pushing and saying, don't wait to get discovered. And mm. this is what I found, Ash. Sometimes I catch myself, I want to be like Ash or I want to be like Gary V or others. But I've stopped over the years, over the months and said, let me be just Ramon. I'll steal ideas from people, mm-hmm. but let me just be Ramon. So I like his book because he really gives us permission, as it were. Not that we need it, but you know, reading the book gives you permission. If you want to do something, do it. You're going to fail, maybe. You're going to screw up, but that's okay. Hmm. The lesson is in the journey. And so that's what I just liked reading it. It kind of really 
made me feel good. Just like my magazine, Smart Hustle Magazine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a magazine magnet. I think that's the word or a publisher. I don't know what I'm doing tongue in cheek. You know, I'm learning, but I want to do it. So I'm doing it. It may be take me a little longer than yeah. the lady who used to work at Essence Magazine or Cosmopolitan. But Ash, I'm getting there, man. I'm getting there with Smart Hustle. Yeah, so cool. that's why I like it. And what do you like about grit? Oh, man, grit was like so inspiring. It just gave you that thing. You know what? Navy SEALs, it's not the big six-foot, 400-pound guy who's going to win. It's a mental game. Mm -hmm. I like the aspect that she said it's not just passion. No, you also have the perseverance. Some people are very perseverant, whatever the the English Mm -hmm. word may be, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a passion for it, dude. Mm -hmm. So she kind of walks you through that aspect of grit, hustle, going onward, what makes Navy SEALs, you know, guys and ladies who are A-types, to what makes a best pianist. Mm-hmm. So that's what I kind of like about her book. She really just dove into, and really it's, it's my ethos, meaning not necessarily how I am, but the birth of the things I talk about. I am to a degree, mm-hmm. but I, I, what excites me, I, I've studied Navy SEALs, by the way, for, for years. I've read and read about them. I love a high-performing team, Secret Service, people like that. I've studied them, and it's just her book it really echoes with me that you just have to do it and keep going. Be punched in the face and mm-hmm. don't stop. You may have to pivot, pivot, of course. You don't want to be stupid, but keep going. That's why I like her book. Cool. Well, man, you really have brought the energy that I expected you would bring. So thank you for that. Now, <laughs> how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you'd like to add? I appreciate it. I just had such a joy being with you today. And I think that, listen, I love to speak and help small businesses grow. If I can help anybody do that, my bio page, RamonRay.com. But if everybody listening, check out SmartHustle.com and sign up. It's a free subscription. And of course, Ash, our our common love, Infusionsoft.com. If we can help you, you know, check it out if it's for you. Not, uh, what can I say? So, but Ash, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Great having you, man. And just so uh, to the listeners, if you're not sure about how you spell that, it's R-A-M-O-N-R-A-Y dot com. That's Ramon Ray's website. And the other one is smarthustle.com, S-M-A-R-T-H-U-S-T-L-E dot com. Okay. Thanks for being on the show, man. And uh, I'll look forward to having you back on sometime soon. I look forward to it, man. It's been exciting. See ya. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Ash Roy, the founder of Productive Insights. Great having you on the show. Some awesome episodes lined up for you in the future. Can't wait to share the content that's coming up. This episode was brought to you by the Productive Insights Done For You podcast launch service, which positions you as a leading authority in your market and successfully turns listeners into high value repeat customers. Book a call with me on callashroy.com to discuss how we can get started. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today? 